Daniel chapter 3, if you could. Um, and all you're going to do is I'm going to have you turn there, but then uh, we're not going to sit there yet. I just want you to have your, your, your finger there. And uh, we're going to dig in just for a few moments about a couple things here. Uh, and while you're turning, uh, just make sure your neighbor knows you love them. Just make sure your neighbor knows you love them. Come on. Just make sure. I'm going to ask this question again. And I'm hoping that if everything else I say is going to kind of hinge on what I'm about to say, and from here on out, everything else that I preach until the day that Jesus calls me home hinges on this. So is everybody ready for this? Okay. Three words. Last three words Jesus ever declared on that cross was what? It's what? I think one more time we need to declare it with gusto. What is it? It is finished. What is finished? The work of darkness and death has been defeated. And the work for life and life to the fullest has been completely and utterly, and our victory has been completely and utterly enabled. Amen? Anybody who's sitting around waiting for Jesus to do something else, you're missing the boat. He already has. He's waiting for us to grow into that. Amen? Do you hear me when I say that? It is finished. So I'm going to ask you guys a couple questions just based on Scripture. I'm going to read some verses, and I want you to hear what's said, and I want to see who here can declare yes, that is truth. Luke 10, 19. And if you want to jot these verses down, you don't have to turn. I'm just going to read them to you. Luke 10, 19. You ready? If you have a red letter edition, this is in red letter. To trample on snakes, Jesus, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing that he tries to throw at you will harm you. I'm just feeling like just maybe an eyedropper of people just heard what I read. Can I say that one more time? Because there's people in here that really firmly believe that their whole day is spent on trying to get the devil away from them. Or that their life is full of hopelessness because this is just how it's going to be. And yet, according to the Scripture, I, whose I, has get, whose I has given you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Who believes that today? James 4, 7 says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. It doesn't mean that we spend our day going, oh, the devil's getting me. The devil's trying to do this to me. The devil does not need one more ounce of audience. Please remove the devil and his name out of your vocabulary. He is a defeated foe that you, in Jesus' name, have the authority over. Therefore, if something comes 
You simply, what did you, I don't even, Jesus did not rise up and say, I want you to think of in the, in the boat. Remember the wind and the waves and the disciples and they're all freaking out? Ah, Jesus is what? Snoring. He's sleeping. And it must have been some kind of a sleep because it was going on for a while and he's still snoozing. They had to wake him up while the water's pouring into the boat and the wind and the waves and the lightning and the thunder, and he's snoozing. Why was Jesus sleeping so well? He, he knew his authority. He knew what had been declared and what he had declared who he was. And see, here's the thing. We are who we are because of who Jesus is. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. You come along, just you don't need to put on theatrics. You don't need to beg God to get the devil off your rear end. You don't have to do any of that. In the name of Jesus, you have been defeated. It says, resist the devil, and here it is. Now, what's that require? Faith, absolutely. But it says, resist the devil, and here it is, James 4, 7, he will flee from you. It gets quiet. How many believe that and know that? He will flee from you. I'll never forget that one time. So, and and I, I, I shared this story once in a while, but it was, it was a real learning experience for me. Uh, a lady who had come under the power of the enemy, uh, you can call it possession, you can call it oppression, whatever you want to call it. But, I, you know, Pastor Jim and I were up there, and we're, we're, we're praying over this lady, and it became obvious that there's somebody else at home and not her, and we begin to come against it in the name of Jesus. And it was crazy. The moment we na- declare the name of Jesus, this thing got angry, but it couldn't do a blame thing. And Pastor Jim, man, I'm going to tell you what. I love it. This was about, I don't know, it was about 15, 16 years ago, I guess, and He's just praying his good old Pastor Jim way. And this thing starts to rise up within this woman, and he looks at it, and she starts with, or it starts with, you know, he just looked at it and said, Shut up! And guess what? It shut up. Amen? It has to. It's got to go. In Jesus' name, he will flee from you. This I know, guys. How many know that the Lord did not promise we would not encounter trials and tribulations? We will. We will encounter those things. Much of which becomes a testing of faith and just sharpening us for in who we are. But it, it, it's a trial, trials and tribulations. But this I know too. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that in all things God works. We know that in all things God works of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Okay, that I know. I also know that in First Corinthians ten thirteen. We all experience times of testing. This is from the Passion Translation, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. Look at your neighbor and say, He will be faithful to you. He will be. There's no, there's no, no dancing around it. He will screen and filter the severity, the nature, and the timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. 
And each test is an opportunity to trust Him more. Escape. An exodus. Trial. God has provided for you a way of escape. An exodus out. And you know what that is? Trusting fully in who? He has provided for you an escape that will bring you out, and not just bring you out all beaten down, bring you out victoriously. A lot of you out here today look anything but victorious right now. What were those three words on the cross? That's victory enough for me. Victorious. Victorious. One last one, Psalm 25. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. I, I, I was reading this week in Daniel, and something just struck me, and I realized there's something that really inhibits the call on my life many times. And it's something that I know we kind of go, oh, it's... It's it's just it's because I'm a person. I'm human. It's my flesh. It's this, but it's actually one of the enemy's best ways of shutting down, or at least keeping you from walking in okay. what God's called you to, and walking in every opportunity to love other people. Okay, and what is this? Well, I got looking at. It, I thought, well, what is going on? As I read uh, this account that many of you know, and that's the account of Shadrach, Meshach. And Abednego. Anybody know that story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What I love is uh, all three were given names related to Babylonian gods. They were not Jew. They're Jewish names, which we read about in Daniel chapter one. They were given these names about being servants of these Babylonian gods. I have to tell you right now, these men were anything but that. We make a lot to do about Daniel. But his three, his, his three boys, I'm going to tell you what, his three friends, they, they knew who they were in God. And we know the story that Nebuchadnezzar built this mighty 90-foot-tall idol. We don't know if it was of him or if it was of a, God, a Babylonian lowercase g God or what. And they said, when you hear the flutes and the clarinets and everything else play, you bow down, you worship, or you die. Now, I can guarantee you that there were tens of thousands of Jews amongst them who had been taken from Israel, from Judah. They're thinking Babylon. They were living there, but I'm sure in their minds, they're thinking when this music plays, in order to make sure all goes well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bow down, but I'm not really going to be worshiping the 90-foot idol, I'll be worshiping Jehovah God. But that just will spare me and my family all the hardship of what could come if I really take a stand on what I know is truth. I am going to put myself in a compromising position to save my own what? This is tough stuff, guys. So we know that the music played Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood right there. 
they would not bow. They wouldn't. Verse 8 of chapter 3 says, At this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who you have actually set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. What's Nebuchadnezzar trying to do? Come on, I'm going to give you a way out because in Nebuchadnezzar's mind, and we find out later in the book of Daniel, in Nebuchadnezzar's mind, he really thought he was equal to who? He was equal to God. So I'm giving you a way out. I'm giving you mercy. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now, I'm going to tell you what. We do face at times all across this world, maybe not us specifically, but all across this world, these same kinds of taunts, these things. Of, uh, of, of, of things thrown at us like this. We face these things. And we try to find loopholes rather than standing firm on what we know is truth. Let's just read a little further here. 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> oh, can I just say when I read this, I just laughed. I thought, oh my gosh. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We're not even going to sit here and argue with you. What you just said means this much because our God is greater, our God is stronger. He's mighty. Amen? Now, we can sit here in church in the good old U.S. of A. where we have the freedom to do so and declare yes. Right? But what about a situation such as this? Is God enough? Oh, we just sang it. Is He more than enough? Is He more than enough? Well, let's find out. Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to deliver us from it, and He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But (laughs) even if He doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. (laughs) 
Let me stop there just for a moment. I think one of the greatest inhibitors to our calling in our lives, one of the greatest inhibitors to our being able to even uh, experience God using us where we are because of the faith in, in uh, our faith in Him and what He has accomplished is what I, I like to call, and it, it, it's not, uh, not a surprising new term, but I call it, it's the what-ifs. It's the what-ifs. Now, let's just be honest. Who here at some point or another suffers with a terrible case of the what-ifs? Now, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's that which you are, you are encountering a situation, and before you even go through that situation, you create, or if this happens, or it possibly happen, if this happens, or if this happens, or if this happens, and before you know it, we are so anxious before we've even experienced the situation that we're no good. As a matter of fact, we are no longer focused on what's happening right. Right now, we're focused on what's going to happen down the road. And what does the Lord want us to be focused on? When are we most effective? When our focus is on Him, right? When are we most effective? When we're ready to be used by God in somebody's life, right? But what do the what-ifs do? The what is have us looking in the future. Now, I'm going to ask you a question again, and I'm hoping, A, either you were asleep when I asked it the first time or you're really ready to be honest. How many suffer from cases of the what ifs? Okay? The what ifs. Now, here's the thing, and I'm going to be very forthright because guess what? Again, I always preach about what I struggle with. There, my hand's higher than everybody's. The what-ifs are spiritually dangerous. I'm going to tell you why the what-ifs are spiritually dangerous. Because the moment you begin to, now I'm not saying you won't be tempted, but I'm saying when you begin to give in to those where anxiety and worry begin to fill, and fear begin to fill you, when, those, when that happens, when those what-ifs are allowed to take over within you, you have taken God off the throne and put yourself on it. You say, how did I do that? Because you are believing more what your head is telling you than what God has told you. Who's hearing that? Okay? So, when I walk into what is, well, it's smart to be discerning. That's not discernment. Discernment comes as a spirit of peace that fills you and moves you in a direction where you should go. What ifs and being focused on them, and I'm speaking from hardcore experience, what-ifs do nothing but create fear and anxiety, and they completely paralyze you from being able to be who God called you to be at that moment. All right, everybody hearing that now? What-ifs are spiritually dangerous, and they distract us from our call. Every one of you have been called I don't care if you're not a believer in here. You've still been called because you were created to bear His image. So there's not one person who couldn't raise their hand. Nothing will distract you by God. Everyone should have their hand up. And nothing will distract you from your calling than worry, fear, and anxiety that comes in from focusing on what if. What if? What if? 
I love what Elizabeth Elliot said. She's just a writer. Her, her, her husband, Jim Elliot, was one of the missionaries back, what was the 50s or something like that, 50s or 60s, that went to South America, a group of five missionaries, to lead a group, a tribe, to the Lord. They spent months connecting with them, and then one of the tribesmen just took it in their mind that these guys aren't for real, and they murdered these missionaries. What I love is the fact that Elizabeth Elliot, Elizabeth Elliot allowed her husband down there, right? Allowed her husband down there. He was killed. Had she focused on the what ifs, she was not going to let him go. And then she was used by God to go down and lead the very man who killed her husband to the Lord. Do you see how had she focused in on the what ifs? how that call in her life may have been inhibited. You say, that's rough. That's horrible. Lost her spouse. Hey, we know that all things work to the good of those who love Him or calling toward, according to His purpose. Amen? So I can't, don't argue with me or God about the what ifs regarding even that situation. We have to listen to Him first. But she wrote this, worry is refusing the given. Today's care, not tomorrow's, is the responsibility given to us, given out by the wisdom of God. Often we neglect the thing assigned for the moment because we are preoccupied with something that isn't even our business right now. And guess what? The what-ifs are none of your... Whose business are they? I'm going to say that again, and I want you to hear this. The what-ifs are none of your business. They are His business. Do you see why I say the moment we give in to those and trying to control because of everything else, the moment we give in, we have taken God off the throne and we put ourselves there. How easy it is to give only half our attention to someone who needs it, a friend, a husband or wife, our child, because the other, half of, uh, the other half of us is focused on the what if. What ifs expose our doubt. See, what ifs expose our doubt that God is enough. Let me ask you guys a question, and, I, and, and just answer within yourselves to the best degree you can. Being faithful, you being faithful to God, is it rooted and expecting payback from Him? Or do you already know that He's already paid it in full? See, if our faith in God has everything to do with Him making us feel what? Him making us feel what? Happy and good. Then we're missing, missing the train completely. He has already... Paid in full. This is what I throw at you guys today. We cannot live our lives under the what ifs. But the scriptures are very clear what we can live our lives under. If you back up just real quick to verse 18. I'm reading from the NIV and I'm going to read... The first three words of that verse. 
Rather than living in the what-ifs, guys, this is what the Word calls us to live. But even if, even if this happens or this happens or this happens, I will serve the Lord. Even if this happens or even if this happens or even if this happens, God is good and mighty and He is more than enough. Amen? And that's what these three men declared. Even if He does not, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship that image of gold you've set up. And if you jump down to verse 28, listen to what Nebuchadnezzar says after the fact. Does anybody not know what happened, by the way? They got thrown in a furnace, and even the guards that threw them in, they died because it was so hot because Nebuchadnezzar was absolutely ticked off. Because here he is, a quote-unquote God, and these three mortals are completely rebelling and resisting him. They threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, and they look in, and they see a fourth in there. Anybody ever been through a fire and you know the fourth one was in there with you? Come on. See, the moment you think you're going in alone, get off your high horse. You aren't. Or forsake me. He has promised to never leave me or forsake me. Amen? He's in there with you. Oftentimes, we look at trials and tribulations. Boy, I look at trials and tribulations as if, oh, not again. Here I go. And and not realizing that guess who is walking in there with me? For all I know, he's taking a snooze right there in the middle of it with me and saying, do like I'm doing. Rest in the storm and watch what good comes out of it. Amen? Amen? So they come out. He says, come forth. And out they come. Their clothes did not even smell like smoke. Oh, man. And in verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him. Hear this. They trusted in him. This is this Nebuchadnezzar that thought he was all that. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their what? Their lives rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not go, what if, what if? Maybe if we could find a loophole so we could just save our lives. No. What does the Scripture say? If you try to save your life, you will what? But those who lose their lives will. Lord, I trust you. And whatever this king's saying, I cannot, we will not bow to that man made piece of gold. You are God. So it's not what if I don't, it's even if I don't. Or even if, I, even if you don't save me from out of the fiery furnace, I know whatever in your faithfulness happens will be to your glory and my good. Even if, 
We live in the what-ifs when the even-if. We are not called to focus on the what-ifs. We're called to declare even-if. And I think there's no, no telling Scripture better than out of Habakkuk chapter 3. And I'm going to ask you to turn there because I want you to underline what we're about to read in your Bible. Because this is a powerful piece of Scripture. I've read it time and time again. I think Brother Curtis read it again this uh, Wednesday evening at uh, men's Bible study, men's group. Turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. A couple verses here. And I'm asking you to turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. I'm going to have to probably give you an extra five seconds since you probably don't know exactly where Habakkuk is in the Old Testament. Move beyond Daniel, about two books. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. You ready for this? The NIV says, though the, but the good news translation says, even if. So I'm just going to use even if. Even if the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, even if the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, even if there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. I'm telling you right now, you need to hold me accountable to this. I need to hold you accountable to this. We cannot live under the oppression of what ifs. We must live declaring even if my God is awesome. Even if my God is above every name and he holds my tomorrows, so I will declare today, even if this happens or this happens or this happens, I will trust him. Amen? Amen? How many like living under what ifs? How many know that if we live with an even if mentality... That would be awful freeing, wouldn't it? Yet that's what the Lord has called us to. We will trust you no matter what comes down the pike, Lord. We will trust you no matter what is thrown our way. And that way we can live in the present. That way I am not so consumed with my fears and worries that when somebody comes my way and needs to hear Jesus because the Lord set it up, I'm too busy with my worries to be there for them. I really want you guys just to think for just one moment. Have you encountered situations where you knew the Lord had set something up, but you were consumed with what was going on inside of you that you were not able to be effective? Fortunately, Romans 8 says we now know no longer are under condemnation that are in Christ Jesus. We're not but he's calling you to something greater. He's saying, don't live in the fear and the worry and the anxiety. No, live in the truth. Trust me. So I'm going to ask you all one last time, how many believe God up? Even if this happens, he is more than enough. Even if he's more than enough. Even if this happens, he's more than enough. Amen? Amen? Lord, I just pray right now, Father, that we would just take hold of this in the name of Jesus. That regardless of what's coming down the pike, Lord, I know it's, that there's this nature within us that wants to, 
experience, uh, try, try to rationalize and think through, and we almost feel, fall captive. But, Lord, I want to thank you right now in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you are more than enough. I want to thank you that you are greater than all things. I want to thank you, Lord, that you are worthy to be praised right now. I want to thank you that in every situation here with emotional brokenness, Lord, hopelessness, that is broken in Jesus' name. And I thank you right now that you are more than enough to meet those needs. Lord, I thank you right now with every physical, uh, physical illness and brokenness, Lord, you are more than enough. And Lord, I believe you heal, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But their stance was even more firm on, I trust God above all else. So that then I can be prepared as he moves. I thank you, Lord, for the authority you've granted us. The enemy has no hold over us. I thank you, Jesus, that you have granted us a spirit residing within us that brings us life, declaring truth. There is, no, there is no work of darkness set out to destroy me that I myself have not allowed somehow in my fears and anxieties. No, I stand here today and I say, Lord, you have set me free for freedom's sake. I don't want to live in the what-ifs anymore. I don't want to control life anymore trying to avoid the what-ifs. I stand firm in freedom saying, even if, then my God is still greater. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God, you're good. Miss Lorraine, could you come on up here real quick, please? Now, Lorraine's had some physical things going on. I'll let her on a private level with whoever she feels so led. She can share those things with you. But just been dealing with some physical situations here over the last, wow, months, longer than months, years. You're so young, though, Lorraine. I know. She has surgery Friday. And she'll be undergoing the surgery, but we're believing that still the final say is our mighty God. Amen. So I'm going to ask anybody who just wants to come up here as we, and Sarah and, and around Lorraine, and we're going to believe with Lorraine and Marcellus and, and Sarah and, and the rest of the family. And, well, here we are, family together. We're going to believe God doing a mighty work here in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, you're so